You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, welcome back to another edition of Inside Twins. It is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. I'm Chris Atterbury, Paul Molitor in studio today as we approach game three of this series between the Twins and the Kansas City Royals, a chance for the Twins to, as Paul likes to say, get greedy and return the uh, favor of a sweep to the Royals uh, after the Royals turned that trick at Kaufman about a week and a half ago. Jack Morris is not here, but, Paul, I will say, Jack did leave me his new business card. Yes. Uh, one of the perks that you guys get as Hall of Famers, I guess, you got stationery, you got business cards, sure. you got badges, all sorts of fun stuff. Well, I'm sure his pockets are full of his business cards right now, giving them out to people wherever he crosses paths. Yeah, you know, the weekend was fantastic, and I really enjoyed having a chance to go out there and in a very, very small way support Jack and some of the other guys that I've known through the years in baseball. And, yeah, you, you get those little perks, you know, when you get in. They... Yeah, like you said, you get the lifetime supply of stationery and your little card with your Hall of Fame thing on it. They can't take that away from you. It's so nice to have Jack part of the club. Now, when you got to get back, and it had been a couple of years since you'd been able to be back for the ceremony, is there a a pecking order in the seating? Like, do you always sit by the same guys? Like, where where are you in that massive baseball history standing behind the speakers yeah i'm down there a ways <laughs> it's uh it's an impressive group you know my time there was was really quick i was there maybe a little over 24 hours but just to reconnect with some people that i hadn't seen since i had been there a handful of years ago like i said originally you know the main thing was to go there to be supportive to the new guys but to hang out with the group you know get a chance to catch up with some guys uh played golf sunday morning before the uh induction I had Robin Yount and Ozzie Smith as my partners as we took on Carlton Fisk and George Brett. And just some contemporaries out there having some laughs on the course. Yeah, everything went great. The speeches were great. Costas did a nice job on Saturday. It was a beautiful weekend. It wasn't nearly as hot as Cooperstown can be this time of the year. You know, it's nice to have it in the books with those new members. Does Ozzy backflip if he makes a big putt? I think he still got it in him. I didn't see it that day. It, the funny thing is, I don't play much golf these days. Don't have a lot of time. These guys are good. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I, I was I was the fifth wheel on that on that bus for sure. But it, we we had a nice time. Now, Twins Hall of Fame was yesterday. And it's always a special weekend. And I wonder, from your perspective, and and I love what you preach and what you shared with Corey yesterday about wanting your players to be there, to feel it, to understand that these guys and what they did, uh, it lasts forever. And seeing Johan's teammates who, who came and supported him yesterday. But as a St. Paul guy, for you also seeing the Jim Cotts and Jim Perrys yeah. and some of the guys who were a big part of your baseball upbringing back here and, and getting their just desserts, that, that has to be a well, special thing as, too. You know, as the Twins have established this Hall of Fame, I can't remember the year of the first class. It was I don't even remember. Uh, yeah. Early 2000s yeah. or whatever it was. And, and, you know, it's just a special weekend that uh, is hosted every summer. And I think for our guys, you know, you get kind of caught up in being a major league player and, and the now of things as opposed to maybe having a little bigger vision, not only about the tire game, MLB, and all the history, but just the Twins history. 
and you couldn't have a better representation of players that have donned the Twins uniform through the years and the group that we put out there on the field to, to support Johan yesterday. And I wanted our guys out there. Um, I think they wanted to be out there, but it was good to, to have them and, and see a little bit of that, watch some of the footage on the big screen and hear what Johan had to say. And like I said last, last night postgame, it was really nice to see all the Royals players out there as well. Yeah, and uh, Johan Santana doing a fine job, latest member of the Twins Hall of Fame. Well, we've got a lot to talk about over the next half hour. We'll talk about kind of the state of the team, the changing faces, the changing names that have uh, shown up, and also some of the folks who have been here from the beginning who continue to play good baseball for you throughout the course of this year. We will take a break here. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. We're back with Paul Molitor in a moment on your home for Twins Baseball. Your flagship home of Minnesota Twins Baseball, 830-WCCO. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back to Inside Twins. Paul Molitor is our guest here in studio. Always great to have Paul in to chat on a Sunday. It's a getaway day. We will be off to Cleveland and Detroit after the ball game for a big seven-game road trip in the AL Central. And, Paul, the, since we last spoke on this program, obviously some changes in the roster. The trade deadline has come and gone. But I think there's a misconception among some fans that this Twins team that you're in charge of is a bunch of you know, minor league call-ups yeah, or audition yeah. guys. You're still running out big league players and big parts of the Twins' future at, at nearly every position. Yeah, you know, I, you hear some disgruntlement from the fan base, and obviously there's some major changes when you lose not only the players but the people that, you know, have gone on to other organizations. You know, we're not in a position of having to go back to square one and rebuild. Well, we have too much talent here. Obviously, this year we had a lot of players that were that have been around not our club and heading into free agency and some guys we brought in on short-term deals. And, you know, it was fairly likely that if we didn't give ourselves a good chance heading into the last couple of months of this particular season, that something like this could go down. But you look at the out on the field and the people we're putting out there at the positions – guys that we still are counting on not only here the last couple of months but moving forward. And also, uh, you know, just where our pitching staff is at. The, the bullpen lost some pieces, but we, we, we're liking that we have an opportunity to see some guys here over the next couple of months that we feel are going to be a part of our future. At the same time, going out there every day and trying to win. You know, we're, you always talk about, you know, you never – never can concede anything in this game. And we're just going to go about our business as professionally as we can and continue to try to win as many games as we can. We talk a lot about cores of players that you're building on. And you can look at this club coming into this year, and there are five guys that have had very different years. Miguel and Byron, obviously, we yep. talked at length about kind of how their seasons got away early. And that certainly impacted where you were after 100 games. Eddie Rosario, Jose Barrios have elevated their play to be legitimate all-star type players in this league. The fifth guy's Max Kepler, and he's in the middle somewhere. And I would love your assessment of kind of where Max is, where he's improved as a player, and where you think he can still go. I was astounded yesterday to look. I was just kind of trying to figure out, puzzle through his numbers and try to put it together with what I see from him every day. His OPS entering play yesterday was his exact same as it was in 2017, which yeah. is almost impossible to do. He had three right. hits, obviously. Where, where do you see Max right now, and where can he still go? Well, I think collectively as a group, some of those people you talk about, you know, you're going to have years where you outperform either projections or expectations and other guys are going to fall a little bit short. And you hope as you put them all together, it, it translates into a year where it's competitive and you have a chance to win. When I look at Max, I, I think we continue to see development. Some of the numbers have maybe leveled and we haven't seen the growth that I think is still in there. But I think just the maturation of his attitude, you know, one thing for Max, having 
you know, not played a ton of baseball and, and still kind of getting untracked up here, is that there's a part of him that needs to trust his ability and not fear of making mistakes, whether it's in the box or on the bases or on the defensive side. He's got ability to do some special things on a field, and I think we're seeing at times at least him emerging and trusting in that ability. Uh, as he does that, I think we'll see all the categories that, that support his play will continue to improve. The way we've seen his drastic improvement against left-handed pitching this year, is that kind of a, a signpost that, yes, he can do that, that there's more in there, and maybe he focused so much on that that and that the other parts will eventually fall sure. into place? And is he the type of guy who has the potential to have that really explosive breakout type of year production-wise because he continues to work at the process? Yeah, I, I think that last year it became almost a more of a mental thing than, than actual his inability to hit left-handers. And there's going to be times when some of our guys aren't going to play on given days, but you know we're giving him a lot of opportunities, and he's taking advantage. I, I don't view him as a platoon player. I mean, he's a guy that I think can go ahead and compete every day, right, left. It doesn't really matter, and I think he was really focused on trying to improve in that regard. Yeah, we're just kind of letting him play and see how it goes. I've been pleased that he's shown the ability to stay in there in, that, in the box on some of those tough lefties. Last year he seemed to get in a hurry and protect and chase and all those type of things, and we're seeing a lot better approach. Jorge Polanco came back at the 80-game mark, and his left-handed swing looked like it never left, picked right up where he left off. We see the right-handed swing now coming into play a little bit more, taking into account his entire game, including the defensive aspect of it, the base running aspect of it. Where do you see Jorge right now, and is he beginning to hit his stride due to the fact that obviously yeah. he didn't play for 80? I think he's played well. I, he's, he's an intelligent baseball player, and he knows areas that need improvement. He's a guy who's out there trying to better himself as a defensive player offensively. He's really been working on that right-handed swing. And, you know, last year we saw him really have a, a really outstanding second half, and it was from both sides of the plate. I put him in a pretty significant spot in the lineup, and he responded. So I just think it's a matter of time where we start to see that balance from both sides of the plate. Mitch Garver had a great July, and obviously when Castro went down, your catching was thrown into a bit of a tumult, and it was uh, kind of a picking and choosing between Garver and Wilson with matchups sure. and pitchers on a given day. What do you owe Mitch's offensive maturation, too? Is it simply experience for him, getting more repetitions as a major leaguer, or have there been uh, systematic or mechanical tweaks for him at the plate? I think it's been you know a handful of things that have contributed to his improved play as the season's gone on. Number one, when you lose a catcher and you're kind of thrusted into a role where you're going to play more than maybe you expected originally, you're going to try to prove that that was you know that you're worthy of that appointment, so to speak. And I just think over time, as he's settled in and, and played a little bit more consistently, we've seen the production go up. He could always hit. I think that he understands the strike zone. He takes his walks. The one thing that we've talked to him somewhat is that I think in the minor leagues he was able to be a little more passive in counts and still get pitches to hit late in counts. And up here, if you're getting behind consistently, they got pitches to put you away. And so I think he's changed a little bit. I think he knows a little bit more about what he wants to do early in the count, what pitches to be aggressive on, and I think it's translated into better offensive performance. And that's Paul Molitor. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killiver Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made. We'll come back talk pitching with Paul when we return on your home for Twins Baseball. This is Byron Buxton. You're listening to Twins Baseball on News Radio 830 WCCO. The show is Inside Twins. Paul Molitor, kind enough to uh, join us here in studio on a Sunday morning. Always fun, kind of a family day here at the ballpark every Sunday. And 
Paul, let's turn our attention to pitching. I want you to know that your Charles Dickens reference did not go unnoticed or unappreciated yesterday with Oliver Drake. I don't know. Um, I I got some funny looks (laughs) when I mentioned that. It just kind of struck me as as a name out of (laughs) of one of his novels. We all know the Oliver story, but... Guy's got an interesting history. Oh, you know, wow. Somewhat dubious distinction of being the only guy to put on five major league uniforms in one given season. And he was very funny post game when we acknowledged that, talking about how he had had that on his bucket list in spring training, and then, <laughs> and some of the things, and how great it was to accomplish something special with the group that he had worked so hard with after he'd been here for about six hours. So, it was pretty good. You know, he, he's a guy who went to the Naval Academy. He majored in quantitative economics or whatever it was. An interesting character with that Worcester Mass accent that he has. But, yeah, we're a little bit in flux out there in the bullpen. We'll get a look at Oliver here and, the, and, and see if he's got a place for our club in the future. Well, first of all, I know your old English uh, teachers at Creighton are very proud of you. And second of all, you talked about the Naval Academy, and that takes a, a different guy. And I know the service academies recruited you uh, yes. uh, coming out of uh, your ROTC experience yes. when you were in high school. But when you've got a guy who's been through that, I mean, there's just a mental toughness in a young man or woman that maybe you can't assume sure. in everybody else. Well, I think they're either going to be very disciplined or they're going to be very rebellious. Depends on how you <laughs> respond to that kind of education. So uh, we'll get a better feel on what side of the coin he fell on uh, through that experience that he went through. A quantitative economics, though. I mean, you can never have enough of that. On the horizon, Michael Pineda is supposed to pitch in the minor leagues, I think, tomorrow. Yes. He's supposed to begin. He is, first of all, a massive human being. Yep, I mean, you no cannot doubt. even conceive of how big he is till you're standing next to him. Secondly, he is a very talented arm that you haven't had the ability to use, obviously, as of yet. How excited are you, and where are you in the process? Are you just going to kind of wait from afar, and any chance to see him this year would be a bonus? Or, or how invested are you in, in his whole entire program this year? You know, it's kind of one of those, uh, at least for our fans probably, out of sight, out of mind. You know, we, we know he's been here. I think that people understand that it was a deal the Twins signed, hoping that 2019 would bring return. But, you know, watching him rehab up here most of the summer and watching him get after it and the, and the way that he's bought his personality when he's around the clubhouse have all been positives. I think you would like to reward a guy like that who's put the time and the work in to have an opportunity to, uh, to see if he could maybe get up here for something in September. But we'll see how it goes tomorrow. I'm sure he's excited to get into a, a competitive situation, see if we can progress him through the minor leagues here over the next two or three weeks and see where he's at. Now, he is just beginning that rehab. Trevor May has finally completed it, and after a year plus, uh, he is back on a major league mound. You've had him out there a couple of times, and especially this last time, the stuff certainly looks like it's still there. What are your thoughts on Trevor May, and what are you looking for? What are kind of the litmus tests for Trevor over the course of the rest of the season? You know, when you don't pitch up here for a while, it's going to be, you know, a little bit tough sledding early. Um, I think that he's thrown the ball well in his couple of outings. We're going to still continue to try to find reasonable spots for him to come in, although the other night had some stress leverage to it. Uh, I've been encouraged by the stuff that we've seen. So it's one of those things in his rehab, he came back as a starter originally, then he kind of went to maybe a little bit longer roles and shorter roles and spread out, not a lot of back-to-back days and those type of things. So... We're going to have to use him intelligently, but uh, it'll be fun to watch him continue to get back to where we feel he's going to be a really good pitcher for us. And we get to see Irvin today. It'll be his third start. There's something about Irvin that there's just a sense of calm around Irvin Santana when you watch from from outside. Is that the same for you, just a sense of when you're writing his name in the lineup, just one less thing to really worry about? Yeah, you know, I, I think all those things are true. We've seen him now here for, for quite a while and how he 
takes that demeanor out to the mound, good outing, bad outing. I'm sure that in his head there's some a little bit of swirling going on just with uh, the uncertainty of coming back and only having a couple of months to pitch. You know, his future is somewhat up in the air as far as what next year might bring for him. But I, I think that each of the first couple of starts, it's been decent. I don't think it's uh, top shelf Irvin that we've seen in the past, but I think he's getting closer each and every time. Another guy that we've seen more of uh, late in a couple different roles is Alberto Mejia. Now, he's always had stuff. It, it tends, the games can tend to get long. Uh, he can nibble a little bit. Yep. And yet the last two outings, I, I would say less of that. He seems much more intent on getting in the zone. Well, Derek Shelton, our bench coach, when I called him post-game in Boston, he said that Mejia threw really, really well. And, and, you know, for Shelton, who hasn't seen him a ton, he left a very, you know, positive uh, result on the field that, that day he came in Boston. And then the last start was was good, too. So I think he's one of those guys that's going to continue to get better. As you said, he's got stuff to learn how to use it to stay aggressive in the zone, you know, stay away from those three-ball counts and trying to get that punch out and, you know, get some weak contact and move on to the next guy. So it'll be fun to watch him over the last couple months. Good baseball talk with Paul Molitor. It's Inside Twins. We're back one final segment. We take a look at today's matchup next on your home for Twins Baseball. The radio home for Twins Baseball, 830-WCCO. Twins brought to you by Killebrew Ruther, made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. Paul Molitor, our guest here in studio. And, Paul, I love your phrase about getting greedy. That's uh, the yep. phrase when you got a chance to sweep a team, in particular with the Royals, because I thought it was a stark contrast when the Tribe were in here last. And you've played Cleveland well all year. They were like 28-7 and seven against Detroit, Kansas City, uh, and Chicago, where at that point the Twins were like 13 and 14. There's a huge difference right there That's as a you're big, chasing yeah. a team. Yep. So to take care of business against Kansas City today, I would think would give you some level of satisfaction. Well, I, th- I think it's important to continue to try to win. You know, Kansas City has played us really tough. I, I, you can't really explain, you know, for example, Cleveland's dominance of the division and our inability to maybe take advantage of some teams that have been on the rebuild. But reality is we've been a sub-500 team uh, this year so far, and how we finish against these clubs are going to, you know, affect our, where we end up finally in the standings. But, yeah, you know, Kansas City after that series down there, which was really disappointing, you know, we've come back. We've had a couple of good games here with pitching and offense combination. And now we're going against a little bit of an emesis today in Duffy, who's really pitched well against us the last couple of times. So hopefully we can turn the tide. Is there anything you can put your finger on as to why we play Boston and the Twins playing really tough? Cleveland, really, really tough. And then against some of the other teams, it, it looks almost like a different squad. On any, on any given Sunday, as they say <laughs> in the NFL, you know, you got to go out there and show up and play. And they're all major league teams. And, you know, you just can't predict how a game might flow um, a lot is dictated by starting pitching and how you do. But, yeah, you know, we we understand that, uh, you know, these are important games with the division. We've got a lot of division games from here on out, and hopefully we can take advantage. You don't have a ton of different options to go with, but lineup-wise, anything up your sleeve today? Uh, a little bit different. I got I, I got all my speed on the bench. I got Wilson, Maurer, and Morrison. So, um <laughs> We're going we're gonna to see how the rest of the lineup plays out. I got Robbie leading off today, and uh, that's probably, you know, the, the one change without Joe being at the top. 
and then we just kind of spread them out the best way that we can. Well, Casey, Ned used to have Terrence Gore and Gerard Dyson over there, and you've got uh, Joe very, and Bobby very, and Logan. Very comparable. Very comparable. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a great day today. Let's get greedy, huh? Let's get greedy. I'm in. All right. We'll see you on the plane. That's Paul Molitor. Right. Paul Molitor joining us on Inside Twins. It's the Twins and the Royals coming up. we got the pregame lineup card next, and right on into baseball on a Sunday in downtown Minneapolis, right here on your home for Twins Baseball. been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.